The Big Honker Podcast is proud to be sponsored by the one and only 737 Duck Calls. 100% American craftsmanship. Select grade components, machine turned, hand polished, precision tuned, and superior sound. What more could you ask for? Get down to www.737duckcalls.com and pick you up a new call for the upcoming season. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Gear. Natural Gear, the science of camouflage. Natural Gear has been providing hunters and outdoorsmen with effective camouflage patterns and quality hunting clothing for over 20 years. Natural Gear's approach to camouflage is based on a science using mid-tone colors, vertical orientation, and natural shadowing to help conceal in any environment. New 2018 patterns and products are available now at www.naturalgear.com. And use code BIGHONKER15 at checkout to receive 15% off your total order. Excludes outlet items. So folks, jump on Natural Gear's website, look it up, pick you out some clothing, put in BIGHONKER15, that's BIGHONKER and all in uppercase letters, and 1-5 at checkout to receive 15% off your total order. Hey folks, this podcast is also brought to you by William & Chris Vineyard. You can look them up at williamandchriswines.com. And they've got out Sway Rosé. You like how I said that, Chris? Rosé. Sway Rosé. It's like fucking 12, 13% alcohol by volume. It will get you lit. Go get you some today. They sell it at Bucky's, H-E-B, Whole Foods. Central Market. Central Market. And at their vineyard in High Texas. You're not getting this You're not getting this high-quality wine at Walmart. All right, you got to go to Whole Foods or a classy joint like that. It's William Chris Vineyards at williamchriswines.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, home of the Big Honker Lodge. Folks, if you're looking for any type of hunt, waterfowl, pheasants, ducks and geese would be waterfowl, hogs, deer, turkey. Look us up at stanfieldhunting.com. Folks, we've been in Knox City, Texas for 27 years at the Big Honker Lodge. World famous Big Honker Lodge, too. Anyways, look us up. Come see us. We'd love to have you. Come out here and you can sit down at the table right where we do the podcast. We're going to have shirts and merchandise available soon. You'll be able to buy on the Big Honker Podcast website or at stanfieldhuntingoutfitters.com. Anyways, that's Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, home of the world-famous Big Honker Lodge. Thank you. And last but not least, this podcast is also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Dive Bomb is the leader in silhouette manufacturing in the decoy market today. We use them exclusively. They're the silhouette of choice here at the Big Honker Lodge. They can handle everything that you throw at them. And the thing that I like the most about them, other than just the awesome paint colors and all that other good stuff, is the way that they stack up. You know, they stack up nice and neat. You can throw five dozen in a bag. And if you're even in remotely good shape, you can throw three bags over you. All of a sudden, you're carrying 15 dozen decoys out into the field. So on those days, farmer doesn't let you drive in. You can throw you some dive bombs over your, over your shoulder, and you can basically carry the whole spread or damn near close to it. For listeners of this podcast, Dive Bomb is going to let you save 10% off of your checkout by using the promo code BIGHONKER. That's two words, all lowercase, big space honker. You can save yourself 10% at checkout. The season is coming up. Go get the decoy spread that you've always wanted and save yourself some money. And that promo code is only good through the month of July. They're going to quit doing the promos for anybody after the end of July. Oh, shit. End of July? Yep. Motherfucker. So two more weeks. You got two weeks, people. Go now. Go to DiveBombIndustries.com today. Use the promo code because it ends at the end of July. Take advantage of it.
three, two, one. Boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. Happy to have everybody along with us. And we would like to introduce our guest for tonight is Mr. Jeff Foles, a call-making legend from the St. Louis area. Is that safe to say, Jeff? You're from St. Louis? Yeah, I'm just north of St. Louis. Just one way, you guys. It's nice to be here. You're a big Cardinals fan, aren't you? Oh, my gosh. I've been Cardinals for a little weekend. Game last night, it was leaned out. I was there for seven hours. And I stayed to the last minute and then went right back again today and and watched them win today, at least. So, yeah, it was all good. Now, you, already, I made up with the Cardinals. Were you a Rams fan also or an old St. Louis Cardinal fan oh, from back in the day? A little bit. You know, I'm not a major big football fan. I was always kind of a Pittsburgh guy, you know, but uh, years back. But I'm not really into the uh, football deal. I'll be honest with you, when they started kneeling down to the flag and all that there, I kind of lost interest in it. So. Well, that's understandable. Uh, so, uh, yeah, go, but, through, go through Ferguson much? <laughs> I have been a lot, actually. Uh <laughs> I have been. It's pretty calmed down. I, they kind of, I mean, it was a big deal, I guess, but it wasn't as big as everybody thought. You know, it was just a small contained area, and it looked bigger on the news, you know, as they usually make it. But, um, you know, my shop was over there in St. Louis. I moved it over for a couple of years just to try it out because there's, on this Missouri side of the river, uh, in that St. Charles, St. Louis area, Long there, that's where the Missouri River, the Illinois River comes in at Graft, Illinois, just right across the river, and the Mississippi comes through there. So it's a major flyway for us here. And um, so there's 50 miles of solid flooded corn, beans, whatever, you know, soybeans, uh, millets, grasses, whatever, a lot of refuse is water. So there's a lot of duck clubs there, and that draws a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people in that St. St. Louis, St. Charles area, and so I moved my shop over there for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, I got, so at that time, during the Ferguson thing, yeah, my, my shop was there. So. Yeah, um, you know, and, and that is the deal. On the news, it made it look like it was just all over. It made it look like it was just yeah. everywhere. It's it's that way with most anything, you know, if it yeah. don't matter what it is, you know, they blow it up to make it look like, you know. You know, it's, it's ten times worse than it was, and, and it was not. Nothing's a good deal, you know. I mean, I'm not judging anybody on it, good or bad, but it was, you know, it wasn't a good thing, but it wasn't as, you know, by the news, you would think the whole state was under fire and people shooting each other and on. It was a pretty contained area, you know. St. Louis police had it pretty under control, you know, I would say. Now, so we never had no problems out there at all, you know, where I was at, and I wasn't very far from it, you know. I was within 10, 15 miles of it. There wasn't no, no big deal. Now, Jeff, in, in the hunting business, and we've both been in it a long time doing different things, but would you not say that Matt Sullivan is one of the f- better characters around the calling and hunting business? One of the what What kind of characters? Craziest characters? <laughs> yeah. <or> better characters? <laughs> Funniest? I'll tell you this. Yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, if you want a little history on it, you know, I mean, I was – I'm in this northern, I'm up in the St. Louis area, and them boys are all the southern end. I'm in the central part, you know, and they're in the southern end of Illinois, you know, and, and at that time, years ago, and I'm going to say in the 80s and, and uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even before that, but, uh, and it kind of petered out, you know, right around the late 90s, but in those early 90 years right there, what I would say, what I would call a heyday, and they set records, we did it, Burns' Club, different clubs like that. All the guides would come out of the woodwork down there. I mean, you know, and I went down there and worked all the time, all winter long at Burgess and different places. And 
And uh, so that's how I got to know all those boys. So I knew his brother, Brian. I'm sure you know Brian very well. Yeah, he worked and, for us um, for a couple of years. Yeah, I thought he did. Yeah, and Brian's an unbelievable nice guy, great goose caller, and good as he is, goose caller and all this. Of course, her dad was a legend, you know. And uh, even her sister, Ashley, was, you know, mouth called, you know, a great goose caller, you know. So the whole family grew up. But I didn't really know Matt. He was a kid then at that time, you know. So when he kind of gets a little bit older, um, we were in Michigan, and there was a place up in uh, around Brooklyn, Michigan, where the racetrack is up there, and that guy had pits around this sanctuary up there. And, I mean, it was full of geese and all that, neck cars and bands and all kinds of stuff. So, so there's a field up there that was just, I mean, absolutely loaded with every goose the country was coming into it. It had corn, had beans they just cut, and there was a corn, standing corn field right next to it. So we lined up in this corn field. There must have been 20 of us, and there was Browns and myself and Doogee Fox and the Sullivan. You know, I think it was, I don't even know if Brian was there. I think Matt was there. And uh, it was just all of us were there, the whole bunch. And anyway, so... I was down at the end of the field when these geese come up. There's a wad up coming. We're all screaming and calling and stuff. And these geese come in. I mean, it was a two, three hundred bunch of geese. I mean, it was a pack of geese. And they all come in and they sort of lighten and stuff. Well, right in front of me, two orange neck collars lit. And there was about five leg bands right in front of it. And uh, then they, these things were just lighting everywhere, you know. And so mm-hmm. it was a, I think it was two bird lemon at the time. I can't remember. I think it was two bird lemon. And we, of course, we had a bunch of pay hunters with us also. We took all of our pay hunters with us stood them in this corn all the you know and we i mean there's 20 guys there so when we got done uh greg masterson was next to me and he said foils put your call down and grab a gun and just get on those two neck collars and kill them make sure they don't get out of here and I said, well no problem you know with me. so <laughs> so anyway uh grounds calls the shot and i mean there's geese falling everywhere you know and it's a good deal well, of course i mean he never we're got kill him the k-word of kill him out of his mouth and i had one of them killed you know by <laughs> another man and and the other one fell dead next to it and i knew Corey. and i can't think of his last name back today he's another son a great guy and anyway he's he shot the other one and then i shot another one that had a leg pan out there so i had my two there so i run out there to get mine and matt runs to get mine i don't know this guy and he goes to get this he's a kid and i go hey bud and at this time, I'm not saying I'm anything, but, you know, I've been in Ireland for 25 years, you know, and you know, it's a pretty rough life here, you know, and, and Matt's this little scrawny kid. <laughs> so <laughs> I ran out there, and I looked at him, and I said, don't even think about it, you know. <laughs> and uh, Masterson looked at him. He's an iron worker, too, and he goes, Sullivan, you better stay away from this. thing; ain't turn out good for you, you know. <laughs> but he, he was all mad about it. I think he ended up getting a leg band or something. Before he got a neck point, I got one or whatever, leg band, you know. So that was the end. So that was our first meeting, I think, right there. So, and after that, you know, I, and then I seen what a clown he was. You know, I've laughed at that guy ever since, you know. So, and still, yeah, every day, you know, we don't text each other and say something stupid, you know. So, and now it's to the point, you know, where, you know, he's got a family and all that and, and, uh, I'm down in his area all the time, and, uh, you know, I, I date a lady down in his area, and he knows her real well, so long story short, and she's friends with Ashley, and so it's all kind of a family thing, you know, so I'm messing with him all the time, you know, so so uh, I'm helping him out with the Delta Water Fowl thing they're doing right now, getting some calls and stuff, so yeah, he's a character, man. He he was on our show, and he he, he mentioned the uh, the Delta Waterfowl project that he's uh, trying to get started in, in that neck of the woods. Sounds- yeah, he does. He, he, when he puts his mind to something, I don't care what it is. He puts his mind to something. He goes wide open until it's done, 
And I don't know if he told you, but I guess he's got this deal at Halloween that's like this major. They dress up, and there's every kind of spooky thing there is at his house. And that's Huge. a big, big deal. Yep. Everybody goes to it. So I'm a Southern on there at girlfriend's house here about three weeks ago, and he pops by because I got a, uh, some calls for him to pick up for this Delta thing. So he pops by on Saturday morning, like 7.30. Now, this guy, I knew something was up, because he don't get up at 7.30. <laughs> so he comes over there, and I go, what are you doing? He said, I'm headed to Indianapolis. He says, what are you going to do in Indianapolis? I'm picking up two caskets. They go, caskets? <laughs> yeah. what? And he had beat this thing in the back. He struck this rack, and he's going to, and I know the reason he built the rack in there, so everybody see the casket on the fiber <laughs> right up right back. So I go, just for this Halloween thing. I thought, you're not, man. So, yeah. Yeah, so I told him what he's going to do. Yeah, there's no telling. So do you uh, do you go get your haircut? Do you let him touch your hair or not? Or do you not? Uh, I don't. You can't. No, he's probably been listening to that song. You can't get a haircut. He's never open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the joke of the thing. You know, you're traveling. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're never open. So it's kind of a funny thing. Yeah. You but know, no, I haven't. Uh, I, I'm friends, you know, Facebook friends and all that other good stuff. And he's always posting that the shops closed. He's all he's off to Disney World. It seems about every other month and going to get caskets. He's some, and, I know, yeah. I know. And I told him, I said, I'm quitting everything, getting in the barber business. Yeah, sounds yeah. like it's a lucrative yeah. business. You you work about? Yeah, he wanted me. He wanted to know the other day when we're making like a dozen calls or something. I said, dude, you're on the call business, and you won't be going to Disneyland if you're doing that. Yeah, <laughs> you better stick with the barber. That, that's exactly right. He did a call for. Uh, he, he put on Facebook a couple of years ago, and he sent me a link. He was doing a call for a friend of his come down with stage four cancer, and you donated a call. Yeah. And, and I've got that call. I bought that call, and you signed it, and it's in my collection of stuff. Oh, I really? Have. Cool. That's cool. And I've got a couple of coffee cups. As a matter of fact, my wife drinks out of the, the Fool's coffee cup every morning. I'll be there. Cool. That's awesome. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I heard a lot about you guys down there, and you know, and I've, I've been to you're in Oklahoma, right? We hunt Oklahoma and Knox City, Texas, still. So right, and I remember them boys were all down there and all that. But I never did get to your in your area. I get up and down there several times. I know it's awesome. It's a mecca down there. You guys get a heck of a deal. The first time I, I heard your name ever was a, a guy worked for me named Dave Reese, and he had your calls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. yeah, I remember him. That's a long time ago. It was. It was a long, long time. It had been like 98, 99 maybe. Yeah, yeah. And you, I think yeah, you were I just to... getting into the call business then. Is that correct? I did what? Were you just getting in the call business in 98, 99? Yeah, I, we, uh, 97 I made it. For, I, I've been working on Vermont for a long time, and, and uh, you know, just trying to make a better mousetrap. And, and I was in that surf thing when they were just starting, I mean, just just starting out, you know, and everybody was still blowing for this, including myself. And, uh, man, I was trying to get in the short read business because I picked up a night and hail bag clucker, you know, like everybody's bloke, you know, I picked up one of them, and I thought, it was right out of the box, and I thought, man, what a deal this is. And so started carving barrels out, putting inserts in, and you know how that goes, you know. And, and, uh, and next thing you know, you know, I come up with this deal here, and I, I want to build a duck call. And uh, I was with Grounds at the time, and I was wanting to build a duck call. And he, he said, why don't you build a duck call? Tim didn't even build one at the time. And he was uh, getting some polycarbonates off another guy, you know, and I was putting them all together. So he was selling those. So, um, so I'm building this duck call. Well, as we started turning this duck call, and, uh, I mean, I started, then I get in that tone board, you know, I mean, this is before they had the, you know, any of the copiers, anything you could get, you know, you could copy that tone board. You had to draw this out and everything, and it was trial and error. 
my God, I had no idea what I got myself into. You know, <laughs> with this top with a board, you know, trying to make a duck call. So I finally got one, but in the midst of it, my guy's going, "Why don't you build that goose collar that you've got? And I can build that easy." You know, so anyway, we turned that thing out and threw a set of guts in and go, "Wow!" And we made a couple of you know, a couple of changes to it, and it's like, "Dang, that's what I'll be selling." So anyway, that's when I come out with the two calls, and that was about '97. So I first built those. So you you so, mentioned you were a grounds guy before. Uh before you started your own, before your own business? Yeah, and unlike, you know, Solomon and those guys, you know, they grew up with Tim and those guys down there. They, I mean, they were all homeboys, you know, and they grew up there and everything. And, uh, you know, and the whole crew of them, and Alan McCree and and, and uh, Gary McCree, and, you know, and the Rometas, and, and just a whole bunch of about Troy Disher, and they all grew up together down there, you know, so, and Brian and, and, and Matt, and so they were kind of a little clan of their own, so they're all good goose callers, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and the way that was down there, you know, and most people can't even fathom this, you know, that whole count, three county area down there, every 200 yards was a goose pit. There was a club everywhere, you know. Yeah. And that in, in that quota area down there, there'd be three or four hundred thousand geese, you know, and three or four hundred thousand big refuges. So they had to trade back and forth, so you had always had geese, but... I mean, they get pretty sharp, you know, them geese. So, you know, you want to make a tip, you better have the best, you know, be a good caller. And that's why so many great callers come out of that area. Well, I knew all about this, and I had been at Horseshoe Lake, and Tim and them is a crab orchard. And uh, I'd been at Horseshoe Lake, and somebody just said about this guy, come out, well, he just come out with a, a uh, and I was born an A50 modified old, you know. And uh, it said he'd come out with his half breed, and, and then I'd had a uh, that uh, the first one they call a double cluck. They went to double cluck plus. It was a double cluck, a big old bell. I remember right now I had, and I was born around, and uh, I'd heard about that, and so I went over and got a half breed, and I still got that call. It was one of the first ones, and I got a half breed. So that's the first time I've met the man, and uh, I'd heard about him, you know, but I saw I you know I didn't know much about Tim at the time, so. I decided where well, I'm at, it's about three hours from them, so I decided I'd start selling them up here, so I went down and talked to them, and I started being, as a dealer, and then I started blowing his soup calls and stuff, and I had really peaked before this in, in contests and stuff, but you know, I wasn't there to Brad Southern Elboy with them, you know, I, I was up there in my office, and so I started selling calls for them, we got to be great friends, good friends, you know, and all that, and uh, heck, I'd stay at his house for most of the time while I was guiding down there, you know, so. Yeah, he called me and said, get, so that's when he called me about 92 or 3 and said, hey, get up there. We need help up there. We're us somebody up there. And that's when I beat up, you know, with those boys in that area. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the history of that. And then, then we all, when we go to a contest, we'd all, everybody in the contest pulling his calls, you know, except for maybe like Alan McCree and he'd have a modified old that he did himself for Gary. And uh, those guys did well, but we're all good friends. Everybody believes the same thing. You were you blowing against your teammate all the time. So, and, uh, so, so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, and Zink was just a kid. He was coming up, you know, and, and uh, you know, he was coming up and going wide open, you know, on a flute. And, and uh, yeah, so it, was, it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of history to it. it do you- I've, we had Scott Trinan on a couple weeks ago, and what what do you where do you think that the contest calling scene is headed to? Where it did what? Where do you think that the call the calling contest? Where do you see that? Where do you see the future of them going? Because you know, I, um, I, here in Texas, we don't have you know very many calling contests at all, so that's not anything that I've right. dipped my toe into very much. But it just from what it sounds like, it sounds like it, it really is kind of dying off. 
It's yeah, and I and I man, I even hate to say this, but the truth. But, but you know, I ain't gonna tell nothing but the truth to you. But the truth, the truth is, it's it, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, I have two. I have a regional, the two rivers regional, and the Illinois State duck calling contest. I got those sanctions for those two contests, and those are big for duck callers, you know, to make it to the world, right. especially the regional. And and I first started. I got those in two thousand three or two thousand four, I think it was. And I've had it ever since. I've had 13 of them, I think. And uh, when I first started that, you know, you couldn't. I had to tell people no to giving us prizes and money because we had too much stuff. You know, and there'd be like three major big contests, you know, the Illinois State Goose, and we'd have the Illinois, uh, and then we'd have the Illinois Duck, and then we'd have the Regional. And back then, a thousand dollar contest, what everybody had, that was a big contest back then. Right. And, and I had people just lined up to give you a thousand bucks and they were mad if they couldn't give it to you and be the main sponsor you know and they have pay down five places one no problem so that's a big part you know that was all available nowadays you have to beg scrape scrounge. you can't get that for nobody the only people that's getting that kind of money is somebody like rogers you yeah. know where they're a big big store and you know and um i helped you know fred joe call me years ago and asked me he goes hey i want to do this and we talked it all over it I've got all the light systems and stuff, so my uh, kids, maybe they're not kids anymore, my daughters and their husbands and that, they go over now and run the contest for them, you know, and we've had the light system and run a lot for years. So they can go, they can call up uh, Dakota Decoys and say, hey, we want a bunch of Dakota, and they pile up to them. They can tell Cedric, hey, we need five grand. <laughs> they're yeah. not going to turn them down when you're buying a million dollars worth of shells, you know? Right. So... So that's the biggest contest I'd say right now in the country is Rogers by far, and they just picked up four more sanctions. So that'll always be a big contest because it's a lot of money and everybody knows everybody's going there. The money's drawing them there, I think, to that one. But the rest of them, like the World Goose, you know, those boys have got a hold of it now. Uh, you know, Katie Hoover and those boys, are, man, they're trying their very best, and they're, and they're probably doing the best job in all the years I've been out there that anybody's ever done. They're getting judges from all over the country and experienced judges and doing all that, but they can't. They can't get no callers. I mean, we we used to go out there, fly out to Maryland out there, and we'd go for a lot less money, and it'd be sixty callers in there. I mean, you may sit back there and wait an hour and a half to take a nap before your number come up. You know, wow. And on the first round, and now they're lucky if they get twenty-two. You know, I mean, it's that's just what it's went to. You know, and like. If I'm lucky to get 10 guys in a regional to have enough to even make it a sanction, con, you know, to make it legal. So it's it's really, really tough. And so I tried something different. I thought, well, and now that I said this, I'll hit you up this next year. <laughs> but I thought, <laughs> I'll, start giving, I'll start giving hunts away. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll like this. So now they're just duck and goose hunts because most of these guys want to call the way around. I thought, I'll get fishing trips, deer hunts, whatever. You know, got, you know the top price for years has been a, $3,500, deer hunter had the creek outfitters in Pike County, Illinois. I mean, who don't want that, you know? Yeah. And, but they don't, I mean, it's not a big deal to them, you know? And, they, and like this year, I think we probably had 20 some hunts, you know, to give away in all the contests and stuff, and we're giving the kids and whatever. And you just can't get them to cut. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether, I don't know if it's the economy. I got to blame part of it on that. Um, I don't know if they're, Board. I don't know whether there are so many good callers right now. I mean, the one good renter are unbelievably good, you know. 
And uh, I don't know whether they're scared to get into it because the others, but if you turn the tables back, when we were all blowing, 60 of us, I mean, I'd have been scared to get in there if I was a first-time goose caller, you know, so, right. so it's not really a lot different there. I really don't know why, it's, but the shows, I can tell you, you know, there was a time I was in 35 shows a year mm-hmm. and traveling from one end of the country and just, you know, meet myself coming and going. And I probably do, oh, I go to Rogers and Presley's and any of the stores that I have to go to, you know, or, you know, or I have a staff and go to those shows. But other than just the regular shows, there might be eight or ten that I do. And and it's uh, because it, 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 people just don't buy it, buy it off the internet, you know. So it's, it's, it's a whole new ballgame what it used to be. I'm wondering if there's just too much other shit for people to do, you know. There is. That's another thing. You know what I mean? Uh, when you look back at, you know, back at that time, there wasn't as much stuff to do. You know, I mean, you can go on the internet and do anything in the world. You want to do it now. You right. Know, and reach people across the country and, and do so many things. And so I don't know the preoccupied as falling off, you know, our hunting industry is so small as compared to the fishing and all that. But I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I know the shows. I would say, I would almost 100% say the shows is a lot of it. These guys are charging 15 bucks to get in. You take a family of four in there. That's a lot of money. Yep. And then if they get something to eat, you know, they're buying a, you know, a 10, eight, nine, $10 hamburger, you know, and a $4 soda. Next thing you know, they've done spend 100, 150 bucks and they can't afford to buy that now. Right. And why go to this show and spend that much money when I could get on Amazon or get online or get on forums or get on here or there? You know, a call trader page. I can get on, you know, if I don't like that call, I can trade it off. I can do, you know, there is so many, you know, and now instead of, well, back at that time, seven or eight top call makers at the, top, at, at the most across the country. Well, we're just going to go see these guys, you know, and we're right. going to get what we got. Well, now there's one on every doorstep, you know. I mean, everybody's got a $250 laser call maker. So, so it's a whole new, they got a lot of choices, you know. So, and that, that's, um, that's actually something I haven't thought about is I wonder if it's so much easier to reach you guys and so much easier to get a hold of you that going to the show is not the only way that they can, you know, I mean, shit, just on your phone, somebody can FaceTime you and you can give, uh, you know, basically sure. one-on-one instructions right there. So the need to go to the show yeah. to see a Jeff Boyles and to, uh, you know, get your advice or whatever, uh, you know, they well, don't have to do it anymore. That's what the calling contest thing now. So back, you know, years ago when we were all doing it and all that, I mean, nobody would tell you anything. And, <laughs> you know, I'll give it, you know, I, I give all the credit with Tim Brown, but even him, he didn't tell you how to do it. You know, he might say, hey, that sounds good, that sounds bad, you know, and, or that's about it. You, know, so you had to tape it yourself. I would go to contests, tape record everybody there, see who wanted to come back, try to pick some of that. Now, if one of my callers asked me, I'd go, you know, well, what do you think about the duck calling deal? You know, how about this? I'd go, look, go on YouTube, look up John Stevens and copy what he's doing. Look what he does with this <laughs> and this. And look up this guy. Look at this. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is, you know? Right. And it's, and, and it's just a, it's just somebody copying somebody else's routine. If he wins next week, you know, we can get on YouTube and play it a thousand times over for free. And now we're, you know. Right. You know, so, it, so it's a little easier to do now and easier to get better faster. You know, that used to be. And, and like you said about the buying the calls, I mean, like we even went now, it's got so, you know, these trader pages, and we have one. You know, we got a Boyle's Rock Outdoors trader page, and 
and uh, where guys can you know trade calls. And, and the only reason I did that is because it's, you know if you can't beat them, join them. Exactly. But like I, I've talked to ten different ones about them, and Bobby Hayes, what do they do here? They're killing us. So Jeff Stanfield wants a call, and uh, you know he's like, hey man, I like to have a new call. Man, this guy says, you know, that full street mean hunters a nice call. Well, cool. You know, forever you just call me up and get one. Or go to your local store or do one or whatever, can I get one or whatever. Now, you don't have to pay the $160 all the time. You can go, you know, you've got trader pages and maybe two down the street, just trade one in, it's got one for sale, and you bid on it or waffle on it or whatever, you get this call. If you don't like it, you'll trade it back in. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I started, I told my boy, I said, we're going to call, I said, we're going to start this like a used car business. So I won't take anything like, top five or six call maker stuff that'll sell. But like if you've got a grounds call, an equity call, call, something like that, you know, and you want to trade that thing in, you know, I'll look at it and you'll sell it to me online. I'll give you a bid on it. We'll trade and differently and then I'll sell that call on a different page like a used car, you know, now. So, so well, yeah, it's a whole new business that used to be. Wow. That, you're, you're ahead of the curve on that, I think. Well, I'm not going to doing that because it is risky, you know, but, you know, it's just, yeah, and it's just now starting to catch on. But, yeah, um, I get a kick out. We get them. We polish up the calls and whatever they send in. Polish up, resell. A lot of times it's my calls. They just want a different color, you know. And then I know a guy's wanting that color. <laughs> but that's. I mean, but it's kind of a new business. You got to kind of do whatever you got to do to survive, you know. Yeah. So, so how how but, is the call business these days? It's not like it was. It's not. I mean, it's not because the competition's unreal, and because of the trader pages and all that. You know, it's. Uh, um, you know, you can go on, and I'm not saying that against nobody, but even if you look at, you look at all the people at Richardtown, you look at Echo, you look at, uh, you know, Browns, you look at me, you look at all this, and you just go back in the history and see who's worked for us all. You know, and, and there was one time I had six guys in for it. I seven guys all the time. And you look at that, almost everyone the call business. And I'm not saying anything wrong with that. That's just America. That's where it works. But then you look on, say, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but you look on Coal Nuts or any of there or any of those places like that, you start seeing this one call maker after another, and it's by a lathe, and you can get all, they can go online and get all the information in the world, how to turn that call, what to do, buy cuts online, reads, whatever you got to do, you know, so, and then, they can sell them cheaper, you know. So a lot of guys are so the competition is very tough, you know. So, but, uh, so I'm going to ask you a question. And as a call maker, does it? I mean, does it piss you off when a guy goes off and does his own thing? I mean, it's got to kind of irk you because you know you're you're teaching well, this, you're bringing it, this guy in and you're teaching him everything that you know. Oh, I've had that happen so many times. So many, so many have spent so much money on him and, and all this, and I ain't going to name no name, but that's pretty easy to do for me. But, um. Some of it does, some doesn't. You know, I mean, I don't ever, 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 uh, you know, it's back when I was an ironer, you know, I don't mind showing an apprentice how to do something. If I got work for it, you know, 10 years from now, that's okay. Right. Uh, if he bettered himself, you know, and it's okay with me. Just don't copy me. Right. Don't take my customers. Yep. Right? Do it the way I did it. Mm-hmm. Go earn it, you know, or the way Tim did it, you know, or, you know, the way Butch Rischenbach did it. If you go to that, you know, and earn the thing, or Freddie did it, whatever, you earn it, you do not win contests, you prove yourself, you do that, and then you're one. I have no problem with that. You yeah. earned it, you know, and right. build something different, you know, don't copy somebody. When you do that, it's, you know, it's, not, it's you know, it's, 
it's it's my problem at all. You know, I don't care about the, you know if they do that. So it's friendly competition. That so right. Uh, because when, anyway, you, when you think about it, I mean, everybody, you know, learn from somebody else. So, but, yeah. I mean, but like you said, just, you know, do it the right way. Don't, don't kind of like us in the hunting business, you know, we have guides that go off and do their own thing and that's fine. Don't sure. call, don't call our customers. Don't, you know, don't exactly. come into our backyard and, you know, wreck shop or, uh, right. you know, start offering, you know, because you have worked for us for five or six years, you know, landowners don't call them up in right. July and offer them, you know, $5,000 more or whatever it is, you know? Well, Just, that's, and that's what the call thing is. I mean, so you take, you take Johnny down the street or whoever, and I, I don't understand. Maybe I had a distracted man. His uncle's a good friend. So he comes in, can't blow three notes on a call. Yeah. So the next, the next thing I know, uh, this kid, kid's up to my land. I'm showing him everything. I can't go like him, whatever. You know, he's a little, a little, a little short, stubby guy. You know, <laughs> he's kind of funny. And, and so then he had a family, a couple of kids, and whatever. So I let this guy in. And next thing you know, he wants to work for me. So I paid him a good wage. So I it for him and all that. And then the next thing you know, he's trying to steal my business and copy. Never took my time. I still got the two pieces. He cut in half. Took two different calls, put together, and I made a call. He's on and tried to steal my business and take my customers and get the shop show on him and handing out cards to my dealers and you know and i don't know about that you know, i didn't end up catching but you know and tried to score me in every way and he did a really good job to do it for a while but you know that's the part that gives you the bad taste in your mouth you know yeah yeah so and it makes so, it yeah, hard I mean, and it makes it hard to trust the next guy i mean it just kind of screws over the next guy that that really may may want an opportunity you know just to work for a jeff foils or something it screws over that guy right and then, and then i'll give you one on the other hand of that you know you know sean Stahl. Sure. Yes. Yep. Okay. So Sean, I got to know Sean years ago in in, uh, in Michigan, and uh, he did a contest with two cars, really good two cars, ten, and so we all know him and everything. So we were in Kansas years and years ago at, at a contest where it fit anything, and that was on certain to start them off. And so he he, he wasn't doing any good. And I got so I threw him one of my calls and uh, straight to honk or something, and we tuned it or whatever, went out there, and he went over there and. He won and got second or whatever he did with it, you know. And uh, so he does, and he goes up there, and he got so then he got on a certain week, crazy, crazy joined in with him. So he started blowing my call, did really, really good, and then I think it was 2000, this is terrible, I shouldn't know, 2000 or 2002, he won the world with it. That's his world championship he won when I called. Right. Okay. So I've got a contract, and it's pretty thick, and, and at the time, you know, and it's still the same one, but at the time, you know, that paid really, really well, and we get the full page of Wildfowl, and a full page of Delta, and a, you know all the stuff that I advertise here, you know, which is very, very expensive ad. And uh, then I build a call that you can make about seven, eight grand on, you know, with your name on it and all that. So anyway, so I did that with him, mm-hmm. and we filmed together, do that. So he ends up after all that, you put all that into it, you know, he ends up and goes and does his own, you know. And starts video on, and I'm gonna start going for this guy and that guy. And he went for, for I don't know who he, I can't remember even. That's long ago. At first, at first, that really hits you hard, you know. Right. Number one, that's your buddy. You don't want to lose him and all this here and do that. But at the end of the story, he went off. He's got a great job with Rich and Tone now. He designs and calls looks nothing like mine. Does his own thing. He still goes the same style as whatever over there, you know. And he's doing his, his own thing. I'm proud of the guy for doing it, you know. He took what he could do then. I feel like I helped him get there, and he got in, and now he's doing great. You know, so, so it ends up a good thing that way. Right. You know, when when, but then you got the other guy 
like you said, the steel on your customers and all that, you know, and you're going to throw them off the bridge, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, that's just life, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Well, Jeff, you were probably the biggest name in the call business for a while. And you had a story, and everybody listening is wanting to hear the Jeff Full story. And I know you're only going to go and tell us what, what right. you want, what tell us. What can you go in depth on that and tell some people? Because people ask. Well, them. yeah, I had uh, what I did was, and I'm not, I'll never brag on this. I'm not bragging. Whatever. It's just the way it, the way it was. You know, when I did this, I, you know, I worked, you know, I worked the structure, worked hard, and all that, and and uh, I'm pretty ambitious, and so I wanted this thing to work. So. I had, you know, I saw avenues, I guess, and maybe some other people did too, and I wanted marketing always been my top deal, you know, that I did, and so I wanted to market this good, so I went and hired the best guy in the business, Lee Jones, I'm sure you probably heard him, mm-hmm. and he does all Benelli ads, and uh, he, he's did Dodge Ram trucks, he's done a little bit of everything, yeah. So, anyway, I hired Lee out of Minnesota, and we started doing really, really good ads and we were advertising all over the place and I and I never missed a show. I was every show there was. I mean you could turn around and you get sick to see me. I was there. And I decided when the when the first guy I remember was Robinson come out, you know, with that first duck commander deal. Yep. And I wore that first tape out trying to figure out what he was doing and how he was doing it. And uh, Tim come out with get down, cover up or whatever it was, you know, and I filmed one other Freddie, Tim and I did uh Tips and tactics, or something it's called. You know, we did like that. And then Freddie and I filmed some for Mossy Oak. I think it was Mossy Oak side, whatever. So I kind of got my feet wet to some of this a little bit. And that was about the only thing that was out there. And everybody was 45 minutes or so. And I thought, I'm going to do a two hour video. So I hired my own camera guys. I didn't hire them out. I hired my own camera guys. And all that. We started filming it. And that's when you could get $20 for the VHS tape, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, everything else was high. Anything was. You know, you didn't have a program that any 13-year-old kid could put on and edit the other stuff. You know, you had $200,000 editing programs. You had to pay somebody to do, you know. So everything was a little different back then. So I started that, and that was what got the business going. And kept building calls, and I would go to, you know, I mean, I'd beat Cabela's, Bastos, everybody in their dog's door down, you know. And then I developed a big staff of over 100 some guys, you know, to keep it into all these stores. And that was their main key to get the stores and. We got the calling thing and was winning every two steel around, you know, and had the good duck callers and some stuff, you know, and, and that's how I evolved. And it went, it got, I mean, it got crazy. It, it got bored with this old redneck ironworker said, you know, for a long time. And, um, you know, I was meeting myself coming forward. Next thing I know, real free calls me. I'm doing, you know, eight, nine years of filming for those guys and, uh, you know, and, uh, and then I got a TV show with Fire with Pros and, you know, and then and I'm doing a video besides that with them. So that's five months solid of film. They're trying to run the business and all that. So, so yeah, it got really, really big at the time. You know? So, uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, long came, you know, long came, you know, all the troubles after that. So, um, yeah, it was a uh, big, big surprise to me. And, when, you know, when it all came down, but, uh, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't, wasn't fun, but... Uh, in the past and whatever so uh and but it wasn't nothing like you know the way it uh the way it's portrayed out there most people find is not even close to what it was right well that's that's why you know every side has another story and nobody knows the story hardly and that's why i was asking you know because you obviously done your time and that you had to do and you've come back and bounced back and you're accepted by everybody and 
Right. And there's a lot well, of hypocrites in the world. Well, there is, and, and, and uh, I'm going to hit the highlights there, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell them so I'll tell you what. I have some people approach me, uh, I don't know, it was right around you know, April or so this year, and I talked to a writer, and we've been talking about writing a book, and uh, it'd be a pretty long book, and, and uh, <laughs> just about that time, um, this guy comes along, and likes some pretty, some pretty good names, and they go, hey, we want your story. And so I promised them we'd do this, and it kind of made a deal, so it's going to be something we're going to do this fall. It's going to be a documentary-type deal, TV-type thing. And I have some hunting in with it from the past, and that's here. So it's going to be something I know a lot, a lot of people are going to do. They probably, like I said, if you want to do this in the fall sometime, I'm not sure what. I talked to my guys the other day about this, and they said, leak some of it out and let it over. Don't tell the whole story. Right. Makes <laughs> so, sense. So, and... Uh, yeah, I was, and, and in this case, you know, and, and the good part, of, uh, there's nothing good about it, but uh, the good part about it, you know, when, uh, like, the people who are involved who sign immunity and all that, you know, when they make that sign that paper with the federal government, they're, pub, it's, they're public, so you can tell who they are or whatever. And I'm not out there the main thrower or nothing like that, you know. I just kind of like the, the people who know the real story, you know. And I'm not claiming innocence. I'm not, not you know, I'll never do that, but uh, I'm not the... You know, child molester and uh, uh, and uh, you know, and the rapist and, and uh, truck dealer they think I am. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, turn out. Uh, yeah, yeah but, uh, they they really did. I mean, you know, you read the articles and, and it really paints you kind of you know as not not Satan, but pretty damn close in, in the in the water. Oh yeah, world. they did. Um, well, I was a guy and. and I'm going to film some again this year. There's a lot, so many people who want us to see more stuff, you know. And, and uh, you know, I like to kill stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you know, I always said, you know, I got beat up for years for laughing after we shot a bunch of trucks or something. Half of them fell, you know, or three right. quarters of them are on. But laughing about it. Well, I'm going to tell you what. You know, I thought, you tell me that they smiling and laughing and high-fiving on Ten mallards come in and you kill eight of them and they all fall right in your face or whatever, you know? Right. And the dog does a great job you do that and you shot good and all that. When I stop having fun out there and I can't laugh, I ain't going to fall. Yeah. I ain't got to that point yet. Right. So they would do that and they had the rock music in there. Well, a lot, a lot of people didn't know it. I played drums since I was in fourth grade and I played in a lot of rock bands and all that over there. I like rock and roll music. So, so I drew that into it. And when I did it, it was probably the first guy to ever do it, you know, and that pursued everybody. And then we would time the kills to the beat of the music. And being a drummer, you know all that, you know. So I think my editor would do that. So it all turned out pretty cool, you know. And so people's like, uh, yeah, but I mean, 99% I'm lucky, you know. But you always got that percent that, you know, that that's the haters that usually get, <laughs> you know, they get hurt. So. So, do, so do you think that you were such a big name that, that they made an example of you? I mean, do you think that, that well, since you were the guy in the on the waterfowl industry, and hey, he slipped a little bit here, let's let's make this great federal case up against him? Well, again, what I won't what I won't do is I won't claim like I didn't do nothing wrong. Right? Know? No, no, and, no, and exactly. Put all the blame on somebody, and I won't do that. You know, right. I'll never do that. Uh, but yeah, what you're saying is, I'll put it this way: um, I got you know what most people don't know is I got two misdemeanors. And the one was a Lacey Act violation, mm-hmm. and the other one was the same as, as, as a, uh, I don't think how they named that, 
It's illegal sale of wild wildlife. And what that means is, is like, say you took somebody to your club and you took an undercover fed to your club and he's in a pit with you and two other guys and you didn't have your limits, but, you know, you had, say you're like a couple ducks a limit. And he says he killed one of those extra birds of his over there and he killed a duck over the limit. Then he has one, and he has a bird over the limit and that's uh, called you sold him that hunt, so that's an illegal sale of that bird, so it's a legal sale of wildlife. Right. And okay, so that's how it was. So that's the two tickets I got, two misdemeanors. And what is, what is the Lacey Act for people who don't know? Well, the Lacey Act, Lacey Act take an illegal animal, bird, deer, whatever, across the state line into another state. And when you do that, it's a Lacey Act violation. Lacey Act, if you look way back into it, you check into it. Oh, believe me, we, we did all the digging. I'm sure. That was made for, it was a big game thing, you know, for, you know, you're in Colorado and you killed an extra elk and you took it all the way back into Illinois or Texas or something. You know, that was the big deal. You know, you brought, you killed one in Wyoming and took it into Colorado. Well, that was what that was made for. It was a big game thing, you know. And uh, they can say whatever they want to, but you can look at the you know, proofs of the pudding and look up the black and white. That's what that was made for years ago. So then they brought it into the birds and whatever, you know, which is fine. Mm-hmm. So my I, my club is on that was on, right on the Mississippi River, about a mile and a half from Mississippi River. Big refuge right next to it. Well, I'll put it this way. My shop was in Pittsville, Illinois, which was the opposite direction of the river. And that's where I kept all, all my hunters for years would stay there. Different places I had in, you know, in Pittsfield, I had some bed breakfasts where people had to go you know, work with me. Well, I did that for two reasons, you know. We would go out in the morning, and then we'd come in for lunch, and then we'd go back in the afternoon. Well, I wanted the guys to be in Pittsfield. Number one, they could meet me at my shop. Mm-hmm. And, it was a, and it was a good deal. They wanted to buy something. They could buy something while I was there or get the call to it or give them something to do. They could hang up. We wouldn't live in a small area. There's nothing to do here. You know, good marketing. So, very good marketing club shop by call. They tried out this afternoon when they went out, you know, but so so it was a good deal. So I kept every hunter in you know, Pittsfield right there. Nobody ever stayed anywhere else. Where do you think the undercover guys stayed? They Acro- stayed across the river in Missouri, uh-huh. right on the Missouri bank in a hotel in Missouri Bank. Right. Now you you you, you look through the lines on that where you know, where that goes. Yeah. So if they killed the birds if they killed their birds uh, and said they had an extra one and they took it with them after we cleaned them because we were a picking shed, after they cleaned them and handed it to them and they went across the river, what would that be? It'd be, the, the, right, it'd be the same as same as what mm-hmm. they're getting you for. It's, and that's how it happened. So, um, so that's what the, what the ticket was. Now, the other part of this is, is and then, like I said, I'm going to hit these highlights. I'm, I'll have the details later on. Sure. But, but they and I don't know. Most people don't understand the law and and how it works. But they can indict you tomorrow. They could go down tomorrow, and I could say, "Hey, I hunted Jeff Stanfield last year. We shot three birds on a boat. We did this, we did that. And I know this guy did it. One of your other guys I don't like. He says the same thing, and they tell the feds or whatever, and they can indict Miss Mickey Mouse if they want to. Mm-hmm. They can throw indictments on him all they want to all day long. So." When this went down, the first thing that happened was, and the first thing that happened was, I got a phone call, and this was all documented, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you, this was all documented. 
Yep. Uh, and they even looked up and found and ran down the guy that told me that I got a phone call telling me there was undercover guys coming. So, and he was right. They showed up in Alberta, Canada. And so they hunted with me. They're on one of my videos. I'll tell that later so everybody can see it. But let me ask you this, Jeff. If you, you knew there was two undercover feds coming to your club and hunting with you, would you do anything wrong? No, and I would try to sell them everything <laughs> I could to make extra money. <laughs> I did that, and that's and that's the thing, you know, and that's what we did, you know, and so I'll just leave it at that. So then they wanted to ask about coming to my club, you know, at night time. Man, we've seen those videos. We'd want to come duck up and say, sure, I'll take the government's money. I gave them plenty. I'll take some of theirs, you know, so sure. Come on down. In fact, come on down, check us out. We ain't doing nothing wrong. Right. So, so they did. So, um, that was the first thing that happened. I didn't, and then nothing, nothing happens for months, way, way after season one, and for a year before a diamond ever came out. So, this is how screwed up I think it is. So, at, uh, I want to say it was right around the latter part of the buck season, so it had to be in December. But anyway, my daughter called me. They said, Have you been on the internet? Have you heard anything? I said, No. And it was at the end of the hunt one night. We just come in the clubhouse with everybody. And she goes, you better get on your forum. Remember when everybody had a, you know, a forum on your webpage? You know, it didn't have Facebook and all that. So everybody had yeah. a, you know, a hunting forum on your webpage. She goes, on your forum, you've got 23, I think it was 23 or 23. I don't remember what it was now. Felony indictment against you. I go, what? And I just, you know, flipped out over it. When I read them, I'm like, what in the, you know. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is, so before they told me, before they told my attorney, before they did, they left this out, and they just did it to a guy I just saw here happen to, to somebody else here a while back. And it, it's, I mean, so they trash you before you ever get a chance to talk to the attorney, to the anything. You, I was on the World Wide Web for everybody to see, and all you see is, Foils gets 23 felony indictments, blah, 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 big deal. So what happens to your sponsors? What happens to your you know, Cabela's and Bass Pro's and all that there at that time, you know, they start falling like rocks. Yep. You know, so so they try to break you, <laughs> get you broke before you go. Now, they'll never admit to that, but that's what happens. That's the way it falls. You know, that's just the way it happens. So, and that's where it went down. So I was Satan at that time. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, you know, that's when it all started. And then, so then you go through the process of fighting. And, and the old story, you know, I got to laugh at when I say, you're innocent to proven guilty. Well, that's the biggest false statement there was in the world. You got to prove yourself innocent, you know, basically. So, so we went from all these indictments down to these two misdemeanors, and then those are about they're the fine print at the bottom of the box or the back of the box. That's where you can find that. Mm-hmm. But it's all you can find it all. But that don't get told. They don't let that out at the end. No, that's never let out. If that was. So. Yeah, yeah. You, I, 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 you know, just. Hearing that you were coming on, I did my research on you, and that's all you see is the 23 felony indi- and you have to read. I mean, you literally have to hit go to next page to find that it that they that they only charge you with yeah. two misdemeanors. Yeah, that's it. So, so then, okay, so like I said, I'm hitting highlights. Sure. So then, let me ask you this: So, if, 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 as a normal person is thinking, most people that see that they don't think and bang, they you know start talking or jaws about it and all that stuff, whatever. No. But in my mind, I'd have to look back and go, man, they caught this guy with all this here and it was undercover. 
okay, so now you put this together. I knew they were coming. They proved that I got tipped off. Mm-hmm. So you know we didn't do nothing there. Right. And that was it. Yep. And they can say they've been doing whatever, whatever, but, you know, and, and the other part is, oh, of course, they can always hurt and do it. Jeff, how many, why, you tell me why as an outfitter, why as an outfitter, why working for an outfitter, or any of that, why would you want to kill over the limits? You try to get those guys done and get them out. Yeah, you've had so a perfect, yeah, yeah, you've had a perfect <laughs> day when you shoot a limit. Yeah, and that don't happen. And you want to hurt, kill them to get them out of the field so you don't burn the field or whatever. So anyway, so you think about that there and go, well, how did they get these 23 indictments there? Mm-hmm. Well, they pants this guy and this guy and six, seven guys work for the camera guy and the guy's trying to steal your business. And I, um, you know, the other part, you know, that I've come out more is, in, you know, a soon-to-be ex-wife is trying to get everything in the world, you know, and she just happened to be going out with the guy that's trying to steal your business and next thing you know, they, you know, make a phone call and it's, this is all documented, you know. Wow. I, you know, tell them a bunch of stuff. The next thing you know, you're dying on a bunch of stuff, and they give them immunity. They get all immunity, and uh, that's where the stories come from. Wow. Yeah, I, I've heard so that. So then, then I have well, you know, we'll prove it, you know. Well, they couldn't. If there ain't nothing there, they couldn't. So they got down to death. So, anyway. So, so and did they just give up on that so easy? And you say, well, why did he go... Uh, uh, why did he go to jail and I was and it wasn't just you know most people don't know either this wasn't state prison with the TV at the end of your bed this was Marion where John Gotti was and good at prison well I was gonna so, say, I was gonna say club it's club fed is what I've heard yeah yeah it's what yeah it's not a swap back so um so anyway they drop it all down and anyway if you notified him in federal court, you notified them. I mean, they were in, you know, 95% of the time. And they would drag it out, drag it out until they money to death. They about got all your money. I mean, you know, federal lawyers ain't cheap. Nope. And the states and I had two of them, you know. And so they're about to money me to death. I'm going through a, you know, a heck of a divorce at the time. And, uh, uh, and if, you know, it was a teeter-totter where they could get me on a uh, felony or not. So, and, and my chances didn't look good. So, what you know, what the feds want to do, 95, 98% of the time is make a plea bargain. You know? mm-hmm. So I probably, if, uh, yeah, I got, probably could have took a felony and not went to jail and not done that there, but I wouldn't want to do it because I didn't do that. So, you know, at this time, I said, I want to keep my gun. And, uh, so I took, you know, I did the misdemeanor, did the time, and, and uh, paid a $100,000 fine and you know, kept my gun. Well, uh, yeah, because if you get a felony, yeah, I mean your your days as a as a waterfowler. Oh, you're done. You're done. You're, you're over. You're no more gun. No more trap shooting. No more or nothing. No pistols. No gun. No, no, you might as well take a fishing now. You're done. So, yeah, so you ain't doing that. Yeah, so, and I wasn't doing that. And I get kind of kicked out. You see, you know, the, you know the gun activists and all that. You know, and the old saying, you know, and trying like cold dead hands off that gun. But when it comes down to that. I kind of got a taste of that. So basically mine was, okay, this is your choice, you know. You want to spend this much time and lose everything you got and go do this, keep your gun or not. So that's kind of, you know, that was kind of what happened. So, so you went from 23 felony counts to two, two, to two misdemeanors. That was it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But but then I mean then you look at I mean you spent thirteen months in, in federal prison correct 
Mm-hmm. Yep. For for they two, gave me, for two uh, misdemeanors. They gave, six, they gave me six months on one misdemeanor and seven months on the other. Well, <laughs> I didn't understand all this concurrent and, and all this crap, whether you these things like that. Once I got in prison, I was like, Guy comes in for drugs or whatever, and so he got well. I I'll be out here in six months. What's good? He tell you, tell you go, how did you do this? And he's an old fellow. And right. uh, how do you do that? Well, I actually had two, but they're doing them together. You know, most sentences like that, especially state or whatever, most sentences like that run together. If you get six months on one, seven on the other, in federal prison, you spend eighty-seven percent of your time. It ain't like state where you spend fifty or sixty. You spend the eighty-seven percent. So. If you had those two there, normally, I would have probably been in there six months and out, you know. But yeah. they didn't do that. They wouldn't allow that. They went seven on one or six on one, so it was 13 months. It's just, it's just crazy when you think, you know, just like you said, oh, I got six months. And, I mean, and then you're in there for 13. Mm-hmm. Well, what's crazy is I walked in I walked in there, you know, and they said, what did you know? Who did you make back? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And, you know, anyway, I mean, you're the third guy been in here since the 50s for a misdemeanor. You know, I mean, it's, and so you're walking around in there, and, you know, you're walking around, and what am I doing here? I mean, what you do? I killed a guy, or I had, you know, bath, or I did this, a drug dealer. I've been shot 25. <laughs> I mean, it's everything. You name it, it's in there, you know. And and you're like, and I, what'd you do? Well, I shot too many ducks. Now they think you're a narc. <laughs> 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 so anyway, yeah. So, it, it, it's, it's kind of a crazy deal, right? Yeah. So, so basically, it go ahead. I'm sorry. It, you know, it ain't all what everybody thinks, you know, and, and the details of it all will come out, you know, the documentary and stuff, you know, later, you know, they can see, you know, watch the tell it, you know. But I got nothing to hide. I'm all, all my stuff black and white, you know. And, and that's, you know, did I do anything? Heck yeah, you know. Um, you know, and, and, and then at the end, I asked the guy, you know, what, you know, asked the fed. He was, you know, and he was, he was all right, you know, he, he said, he, like, you know, I'm just really had to, I guess. And, you know, you know, it's, I said, what are you trying to do? And he said, I'm going to stop party hunting. We're going to stop party hunting. We're going to stop the guys shooting other people's birds. Well, you know, I told him, I said, good luck with it. He goes, that's what we did do for stopping party hunting. Well, you take, they even went to an 11-year-old kid, knowing that his dad worked for me and, was, and they were divorced, and knowing the, the mom was mad, and uh, <laughs> to, to him and talk to the 11-year-old kid about, did you kill to me, Dutch? He goes, no, I think my dad killed him, yeah. or just killed him, or whatever. Yeah. Wow. So, they, I mean, they so, couldn't anyway, really stop. And so, you know, tell me this. You know, let's let's just say you and I and three other guys and two kids went out there hunting, and the mallards are born in, or the geese are born in. You know, and them kids are up there shooting bang, 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 bang. They're shooting every round with us, okay. And we can kill all six of us. You know, are we going to kill six minutes, or are we going to say, I don't know if that kid killed him. We're going to stop. We going to right. We're, we're, yeah, you're gonna kill six minutes, right? That's your yep. And so that's what the you know that's what they're yeah. You know that's that's the deal. Did I shoot my client's birds before? Heck yeah, I have. <laughs> Heck yeah, I sat there and shot because I couldn't hit anything. Yeah. You know? And you know, I mean, I burned the field to the ground. You know, 
And you're, you know, and, it's, and is that right? No. But I'm not gonna lie, I did it, you know. And I, I don't you know, like. And if, and if most guys say they have it, they're lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. And have I shot a limit? Heck yeah, I shot a limit. Did I did it all the time? Heck no. I didn't. I hunt the five up and have to. Didn't want to. I hunt the best place in the country, you know. But you know, we took we had eighty some acres of uh, flooded corn and flooded right to the ears, two hundred bushels of corn, and we had thirty thousand up there and back. You know, and they get nocturnal. You know, they're in and out of there, you know, you know, and late, you know, going out early and not going out until late. And let's just so get a nice story day or something. After spending about $47,000 on corn, you know, giving to the ducks and pumping $10,000 worth of water, you get three or four of them snowy days up there where you can come pretty good. We probably did, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, and like I said, it was a pick and shit. We had to ride them down, and they all got broke down. But I could not one ever. Got stomped in the in the mud, put in the ditch. They all got cleaned, and you know, and gave away. Right, wrong, whatever. But that's uh, you know, if I'm guilty of something, that's not guilty of. But yeah, so and did we do that all the time? Heck no, I didn't want to. They actually did me mother stuff all the time, you know. So anyway, that's you know. That's, but no, I'm not proclaiming innocence, but it's sure a whole different story. To be frank, so. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not losing sympathy. I'm not losing innocence. That goes over, you know. It's done, you know. I'm not wanting anything. Am I mad about it? I'm not mad about it at all. I'm not mad at the guys for the good thing. You know, I've you know, I've gave forgiveness to you know in my heart to whoever and and um it's all good, you know. Well how hard was it to get back into the hunting business? Well, it's not easy. I mean, because you lose it all. And uh, you know, and then articles get made and all that's here and boy, they make like I said, it makes death be the devil, you know, so uh uh, so it's not a good, so I just said, I'm coming back, I don't care one way or the other. So, now we sell a lot of small dealers, uh, we sell over the internet, you know, over the phone, we do some shows, we do stuff like that. I haven't even worked with all the basketball coach tonight with it back, I person. I just let it go and this is what I'm doing and hopefully someday we can go back to doing that, but if we can, we can, we can't, we can. So, you know, it's a whole different ball game dealing with those companies now it used to be anyway, so... I'm longer, you know, I just thank the Lord, you know, that I'm, you know, we make it and we get by and, you know, we try to make a great product and do the best we can. It's just now it's six people, eight people, it's just me and my son. Well, America loves a comeback story. It don't matter who it is. You know, everybody hated LeBron James. In five years, everybody's going to love LeBron when he's 50 years old still playing. Uh, Tom Brady, everybody's went through the deal of hating him, and now everybody likes him because he's in his last couple of years. So everybody loves a comeback. So do you think you're going to get right. back in the video game and all that stuff also? Well, that's our game plan, you know. I mean, it's uh, um, I'm not going to do things a whole lot different other than I've got, I've got a little bit different game plan than I did before. You know, before is the, uh, you know, the killing and all that there, you know. Hey, I'm going to kill my limit. I ain't, I ain't as bad as them as they used to be. But I know what they want to see on video and, you know, I know what sells. So, I'm just going to go out there and hunt the way I always hunt and tough and cold and whatever it is. And, you know, I just have fun with it. And, and, and I always found out video that we just have fun with it. You know, you keep your eye on everything. That's your main thing you had to focus where the cameras was and all that kind of stuff. And, and if we just had fun with it, we always got a better, you know, we got better footage by doing that. That's all I'm going to do. You know, just come the way it happened. Now, now they also didn't there was an investigating investigation with you uh up in canada also wasn't there 
Yeah, I got signs up there, too. See, those guys, and I've never figured out this all works. I don't know how it all works. Uh, the United States had our fed. We paid our fed to go up there and, uh, uh, you know, and hunt with us. That's, when I, that's where I was at when they came up there. Right. And so they say they were working with Canada, which, I'm, you know, I'm sure they were. And then there's one article out that i got to laugh at. Um, ours, I can't think of his name. He's a fed out of Springfield, Illinois. And, oh, gosh, he hated me. He's one of the feather in his hat. I don't care if he hears me say that. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, he put a deal in this Game Warden magazine or something. Of course, Game Warden magazine is a, you know, put what they want. And I read that here a while back, and I didn't have to start laughing. Years ago, when it made me mad. I started laughing. Somebody told me about it. He put a deal in being on me and watching me for all these years, doing this, what they've been working with the Canada bar. Okay, so if you've been watching me for 15 years, when are you listening to this one Right. I never even seen one of you guys. Nobody even checked me in fifteen years. Right. So where are you at? You know, yeah. you know, it ain't like you can hide behind something in a two hundred acre barley field. So you know, it ain't like there's a car with kind of a lot of traffic. You see ever being around? So, yeah, I thought you're so full of crap. You know? so, but anyway, yeah, that was. Yeah. And the story will come out how it got started. You know, what I mean, and how it all got started. And, and all I'm going to tell you. You got to revert back to this same deal with the mad ex-wife and all that, and, and, and trying to steal the business and all that. There, and you can read through the lines; you can pretty much figured out how you know what happened. So, yeah, you know. and once it got started, I mean, you know, how I mean, how many sleepless nights did you have just you know sitting up and and thinking, you know, who's going to be the next guy that that? Because basically, you had nobody in your corner. I mean, they basically all your guys that you had in your camp. Oh no, and that's. Uh, and it, and it was so different, you know, it's no different. It's, let's just say it was a drug deal, you know, and they're, and they're trying to bust a drug deal or something, you know. And and I've got all the respect in the world for law officers. I ain't got a lot of respect for the, you know, the game wardens or none of them after what happened, but the way they do things. But it's laziness. They they never go and do a whole lot to say What they do is they'll find, you know, they'll find the guys over here and they'll squeeze them. And hey, and, and and I mean, and it's not even it shouldn't even be legal to do. I mean, the way they do it. Hey, you're going to jail. You're going to prison. You're going to prison for this guy. This is what's going to happen. You want to lose everything or lose your license over him? You think he'd do that for you? You better start telling something. Your butt's going. We got this, this, and this. And I mean, and, and in their defense, scares them to death. Sure. You know? Yeah. So they so they just rule out anything and everything that's ever happened. You know what? Well, we got you doing this, this, and this, and this, and this. And second, they did. They had a bad. So. Yeah, I get it again. And how do I am in my club 50 50 with a guy? 50 50. He hunted him. He, him and his son get off scot free. Scot free. Admitted to, you can't, I'll tell it later, but I made it down. He gets totally immunity just to get me. Wow. So, I mean, how's that? So, how's that? And so that's kind of how it happens. It's not who was your friends or whatever. They're, they're, you, know, you don't have a lot at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we figure yeah. it out at the end when it comes down to that, you know, when they're squeezing this or whatever. You know, I mean, so, so and, how long uh, was the process from start to finish, from when you got indicted to when you got sentenced? A uh, couple years at least. That's maybe that, longer. I mean, probably that's, longer, maybe. That, that's just got to be the longest two or three years of, of, of your life. I mean, you're thinking. Oh, it's horrible. You don't know what's happening day to day. And then there's a divorce happening at that level with the unbelievable, terrible one, you know, three year long one. And, and you got lawyers for that and you got lawyers for this. And, 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 it's, and then you're trying to run business and worry about losing that. Yeah, it's a pretty tough time. 
And then like, and then you got to deal with the fact that the people that you thought were the closest to you, you know, your business partners and the guys that you have on your pro staff, they all jump ship. Oh uh, yeah, working for you, guys, you paid for the divorce and paid for this, paid for that, helping out all the time, you know. And yeah, you have no clue, and then, yeah, you find out. Yeah. So what's next for Jeff Foyles? What I mean, are we ramping up the call business? What What are we doing here? Well, I am. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm getting to. Uh, <laughs> I'm slowing down a little. I got several other things in the pot that I'm doing also, and uh, uh, but yeah, we do the call business, and I want it to roll. You know, but again, it's a different business no matter what comes out. It's a different business it used to be because. I mean, a company, you got so many people out there, you know, and like I said, the shows are a little different and all that, you know. I used to make a lot of money, but I have shows, you know, because we went to so many. Right. And, uh, you know, and at the time, we sold decoys, we sold photos, we sold this, we sold that, and, uh, you know, and that's even so competitive now as a dealer and stuff, you know, go to a show and sell that stuff, you know. So when you got these big stores, you know, say Rogers or Corrales or whoever, so. So it's getting a, you know, that part, I just put selling all that to sell my products now. But no, I just want to keep that going. I would like to film and get that going. And uh, I don't know. I, um, you know, my my thing, like the, the good part to come out of all this here, you know, at, at the end of the story, the good part to come out of all this is, you know, is the, during this whole thing, you got a lot of time when you're sitting there. So, uh, you know, I read the Bible all the way through and half again, and then I uh, got saved right after the. Uh, you know, and I played drums at the uh, at our church, and you know, and I'm very, very involved with church at the mission trip last year and all that. I'm not telling you I'm a saint because I'm I'm just a work in progress. <laughs> but you know, this was God's plan, it wasn't mine? You know, so that, that's, whatever he, you know, that whatever is, His will is, that's where I'm going. You know, it's His hand. That's great, and you know, hey, let, let me ask you this, Jeff. What, every time we touch on some other things with the hunting business, do you do you hunted in Canada a bunch? Do you see? the hunters be able to get into Canada in the future like they have been in the past? Or do you think the Canadian see, government... Do I see what now? Do you see the hunters yeah. being able to get in and out of Canada like we have in the past? Well, I don't know. I've always felt it's pretty tough anyway to get in and out. I mean, uh, if you're freelancing, man, it's a tough thing, I think. You know, I mean, it's, I, there's no consistency to it. And, and, like, I may go with the border and pop right through one time and go through the paper, you know, actually pack it on the shelves, extra shelves, and underground stuff. But sometimes you look at there, they don't have to go maybe not go on your good where you're going to give your stuff. And then the next year you go up or the next time you go up, you go home and come back and you're six hours getting a strip search, you know? Right. And so there was never any consistency of what they were doing, you know? It's just, and so, and that's not us, it's a Canadian, so it's their deal, so you do what they, you know, I've had a 28 foot spread with everything in the deal. Even my coal was taken apart right after 9 11, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, they, and then they always reclosed the land, everything laying apart. I'm like, all right, we're done. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Once you cross that border, I never ever had a problem. It's right. just getting across it, you know, it's always a problem, you know. I just said, I know my guts would get in knots for years, you know, just cross that border, you know, but. I will say this, and they've always been really good to me. When I did go up there for my charges up there, um, the magistrate, they have a magistrate, it's a different court system than what we got. And uh, when I went up there, the magistrate asked me, Mr. Forbes, why did you agree to pay this and do the assignment? And the bottom line was, you know, she just shook her head. But anyway, I don't think she thought, she thought I should have thought it. My lawyer up there should have. But the bottom line was, it comes down to money. It's cheaper for me to pay the fine and go about my business 
and not be able to come there for three years, and I couldn't hunt for three years anyway. Right. So it was cheap for me to do that, but it was fly back and forth, and by that time I was sick of it. You know, I wanted it over. So that's why then she said, well, Mr. Ford, you're welcome back in our country, and said, when you get all back, you're welcome back in our country eight times. So, so I haven't been back. I ain't been back since. But not that I won't. I go in a minute, you know, but it's just I'll make sure I get up. You know, the border's not such a bad thing. I've had two terrible trips up there. The border is just, it just too hor I mean just horrendous experiences is. at the border and I you know there there's I, I maintain the fact that there is uh just as good if not better hunting here in the United States you can go to North Dakota Montana uh Idaho there, there is. and it just well, it's it cheaper yeah and it's cheaper like like your place down there for example you guys down down there I mean I don't know exactly where your place but I know they're up in Oklahoma you go eight east down there that's right. there. Exactly. So why would you get go to Canada to do that? You know, and you and and, and your birds down there work just as good as Canada. You know, I mean, everybody thinks that they can cross the border in Canada, and boy, well, we cross the border, we're going to start killing. Well, that's so far from the truth. It's unbelievable. I mean, I got thirty six hours to Alberta just to get by myself. You know, yeah. <laughs> we didn't need to get them. You know, and, and then it's still scouting every day and all that stuff, beating on doors. And, uh, and all that, so it's not a top fly like everybody thinks, so, but, but like, you know, the only thing I'd have to say is, in Canada, over, you know, over, is the, is the duck hunt stupid, you know, in dry fields, you know, the dry field hunt up there is really, really good, but I've seen it that good here if you can get one, man. Yeah. But, uh, but they're consistent in it for a month or so, they got a month of that, and, you know, it, it's, uh, well, I never will beat their thing up, but, like, just like you said, is, I could go there now, you know, but I'm like, my son-in-law, a bunch of them, is going up there this year, and I think my boys going to know that. And I'm not, I used to a little bit just a little geeked up to go. I'm, I, I could care less. I'm not going to go. Uh, I just told them where to go and left it at that. I'd rather come down there somewhere, you know, and kill it. Man, go to Colorado and kill it. You know, so, yeah. Uh, now, so, yeah. during your time away, and we're going to we're going to start wrapping her up here. But during your time away from hunting, did you did you find a new appreciation for for the for the game and for the for the birds that we chase? Yeah, it's uh, now, uh, I'll put it like this. I don't know how to put it. I, I did, and I'll kind of give you an example. Like, now I won't swim to kill a possum. I'll go around it. You know, <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's, I won't do that anymore. I mean, that's, and that's, that's you know, it's kind of getting off the beat, but that's the kind of deal, you know. I mean, yeah, I like to watch them. I like to be more with them. You know, I still ain't nothing like having a pile of mallards or a bunch of geese right in the face. I don't want to kill everyone that can legally win it, you know. Mm-hmm. But do I have to? I'm not near as mad at it as I used to be. And uh, with the filming thing, you know, you're under a lot of pressure with that filming when you got that much stuff going, you know. You've got to get some stuff on film. So you're on the truck all the time. you got to get, you know, and you get pretty mad, you know, when it screws up, when a dog screws up or the camera lighting on you or whatever happens, you know, or you miss, you hit good or whatever. And you work a long time to pay a lot of money. To get to that point, you know, right? And uh, so you had to be mad at him, you know, to want to get. So, so is that the way I wanted it? No, I would never get myself back into that where I had to, you know, do a TV show and a two-hour two video and another two-hour video and all that. There, that's a lot of filming. I just never do that. I'll do another video, you know. I'd do that, but um, I would never probably never do a video anyway. That one certainly don't sell. But, you know, I mean, I'd do a series, you know, where it was, a, you know, something like for TV, you know, but that's, you know, or on YouTube or whatever, but that's, that's about it. Yeah. That, that's but, yeah, you get a whole new respect for everything, you know, and I, and I well, most people don't know about me, I bow hunt as much as, that's my, that's my love. 
is bow hunt, and uh, we're right here in a very good area, you know. And man, I bow hunt a ton, and I have ever since that, you know, and started bow hunting turkeys, and you know, and all that also. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, I got a little bit different attitude about it. Yeah, that's uh, but um, going back to the filming, that's basically was was how they made their case was from the films that 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 they had to turn over, right? That's not what now. Say it again. That's basically how the feds made their case was from the from the footage that that you guys had to turn over. Well, part of it, part of it. Ninety nine percent, ninety. I'll say ninety percent of this was squeezing somebody and getting something out of them. I got gotcha. you. And then and then throwing that over on me. You know? Right. So, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's that was ninety percent of it. You know, and that's that's the way their deal works. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot. There's a we just touched the highlights of this, you know, so there's sure. a lot coming out, you know, and I'll be glad to after this bill comes out to tell you every detail there is or whatever with it, you know, at that point. But, well, if it comes, um, if it comes out in the fall, you need to come hunt with us in Oklahoma and we'll do this in person. And we would love to have you, uh, in the goose spread with us and, uh, across the table from us doing this live. That would be awesome. That sounds great. Well, we're part of Oklahoma. You guys that. Southern Oklahoma. We, we, we go gotcha. back and forth, uh, Southern Oklahoma and Northern Texas. So duck hunting there, is, duck hunting there is amazing. It really is. I see. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. But we, we truly, truly appreciate you taking time out of your, uh, evening and sitting down with us and, uh, telling, telling your story. I mean, we really do appreciate cool. it. And Jeff, I want to. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks for calling us. Calling us. Hey, I want to thank you for it and, um, go ahead and give you a plug so people, how they get yeah, a hold of you. Where can people reach you? Well, they can call our shop at the, uh, uh, they can go on, online first at www.rockoutdoors.com. They can go on Facebook at rockoutdoors.com. They can go on Instagram, rockoutdoors.com. They can reach us by, uh, 618-232-0000. Or they can email me anytime they want to at jefffoyle at gmail.com. Perfect. Perfect, and we look forward to uh, your book coming out this fall, and we look forward to seeing you down here. We're going to hold you to it. You need to come down when Matt's coming. I think he's coming in January sometime. Yeah, I yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I might, I might have him strangled by the time I get to Oklahoma. <laughs> we would, we would all. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think anybody would uh, find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's good. Uh, yeah, we'd have a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, I do that. All right. Sounds Jeff. like a thank, a thank you for the invite. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you hey. so much, Jeff. Have a great night. Thank you, Jeff, and God bless All you, right, buddy. Have a good day. All right, God bless. All right. That was Jeff Foyles. What a story. You know. And we only touched, we only hit the highlights. Yeah, I'm telling you, when he, boy, he was big. I mean, yeah, he everything. Was. He, he, was, he was the rock star of the uh, call industry. He was all over all the magazines, the mm-hmm. TV shows. Every time you turn him on, he was on TV. Uh, I think he had allegiance one time with uh, Harpole Outdoors or something, Heartland Outdoors. Right. Or, he can he can say what he wants. I think uh, I think he was such a big rock star that I think they were just going to make an example of him. Oh, I think they did, and he's done like everything else. He makes some mistakes in life, and he paid the ultimate price. Man, they took his business I mean, and everything. Did. You know, we we were we 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 had a discussion before the podcast ever started. I mean. It doesn't take but a couple allegations, and your your entire life is just wrecked. I mean, everything, reputation. Uh, you know, he's in a fight for his guns and everything. If he's convicted of a felony, 
He was. He was the. He was the guy. He, he was, was the man. The man for a while. And I remember, like I said, Dave Reese showed up here with some of his calls. Right. I didn't know who Jeff Foles was, and that would have been in the early nineties. And boy, I tell you what, it wasn't long, and he was late nineties. Yeah, and he was all over everything after that. Yeah, late nineties. What a, what a great story. I mean, what a great story. Hopefully, we'll get him back on. And uh, yeah, I got a weird humming noise. He got his wife or not his wife? Got he got his life all worked out. It sounds like going yeah. to church. God bless him, and you know. Back on the straight and narrow. I'd love to uh, dive in a little bit more. Yeah, everybody deserves a second chance in life. Yeah. We all make mistakes. and You know, and uh, one of the things we didn't get to talk to, you know, just like he was saying, there's a lot of pressure with the film crews and everything else. And, you know, you got to have something out there to sell. Yes, you do. So, anyway, that was Jeff Foyles. What do you got to plug, Jeff Stanfield? Jeff Stanfield don't have to plug himself. Gotcha. I don't. I'm not. In, I'm not into plugging myself. Well, we've got dove hunts coming up. Um, we've got. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have some dove pheasant combos for late October, and I've got some goose hunting in early November. Still available. I've got some dates in Texas available, and I've got some Oklahoma dates still available. Man, folks, if you're wanting to do a duck goose combo, you need to come see us in Oklahoma to shoot the greenheads and the Canada geese. Eight Canada geese is your limit. We field duck hunts. The hunting is phenomenal. It's not every day like Canada, but there's a lot of days it's just like Canada. You got in trouble for saying that last year. I know that. I told a guy that the hunting was just like Canada. It is. And they just happened to be there three days in a row where it was 75, 80 degrees. We had a very unusual winter last year. And the duck hunting in the afternoon was spotty at times. And like Mr. Full says, the limit is eight in Oklahoma. Yes. You know where else the limit is eight? Canada. That's right. Save your money. Keep it in the United States. Make America great again. Make America great again. You know, th- th- those guys that you said that complained about the afternoon duck hunting because mm-hmm. it was not very good when they were there. When it's 75 and 80 degrees, yes. you can go to Canada and way. you're going to have shitty duck hunting. Yeah. And, the, and the birds flew, and when we pick up the decoys, sure. we were covered up with ducks. Yep. But the guy, the guy that bitched mm-hmm. shot 50, 50, and 80 on their, duck, on their goose hunts. Goose hunts. And still... Yep. Well, the duck hunt one was as expected. You said it was like Canada. Yeah. Well, they, no, I said it was like Canada. Yeah. And they killed over 200 birds still. Right. And still bitched at me. But I mean, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere. And if the weather is 75 and 80 degrees, those ducks will not fly in the evening until sunset. Yep. Till after shooting time. And that's what happened with these guys. If we start picking up decoys, you pull that mojo and you pull the first pin out of the A-frame, and that's when you're covered up with ducks. But... What are you going to do? It, it's hunting, and it's part of it. And the good days, the bad days, it's still hunting. And I know, that, but it's just frustrating. I, I understand, that. but it, it is hunting, and that's what it is. But, man, still, to kill 200 birds, they, they had a great three days of hunting. They just don't realize how good a hunting they had. And part of them were really good guys. It's just a couple of guys were kind of horses' asses. Yeah. But they're, they're expected anywhere. And we, and, and we deal with that, that, folks. And I'm not complaining about my customers. I love my customers. But that's part of being in this business. 90% of the people we deal with are excellent. Five percent of the guys we deal with are a real pain in the ass. The other five percent just they just don't know better, right? And 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 that's what it goes. But anyways, I appreciate everybody for listening to us. I mean, I appreciate it so much. Look for the Big Honker Podcast uh, website, bighonkerpodcast.com. Go to stanfieldhunting.com. We'll have merchandise up here probably within two to three weeks. We'll be able to have some merchandise you can start buying right off the internet. You click you click it in. You can buy what you want. And it'll be shipped right to you. We're finishing up the design right now. We got a couple, uh, couple different designs going on. We're gonna nail those down and, and then get them out to you guys. But yeah, 
Thank you to all of our sponsors. We're growing like crazy. My gosh, our numbers are blowing up. We had a record week in this week, record month. We're already about, I don't know how many, getting close to the amount of June downloads already in July. And it's July 15th. We'll pass it up. Probably, this week we'll pass up all of June's downloads. So I don't, you know, I so don't. So keep listening, keep sharing it. We're having a ball doing it, and we'll keep getting guys like Jeff Fools on and Scott Trinan and just all Bill Saunders. Yeah, and tune in for Friday's podcast. We will have Brent Folks here, and we are going to talk Sand Hill crane hunting in Texas and Oklahoma. So, like I said, tag in, listen in to us, talk about some Sand Hill crane hunting. Any questions, email us, send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. But thank you so much for listening to you. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. See you, folks.